Hello, this is Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. We had a remote conversation with the Boston band The Devil's Twins, who we've been wanting to have on for a while. We do not like remote conversations, but we did find it was better than having them in person with masks on. First of all, it is obviously safer to do so remotely, and also it is much more difficult to have a face-to-face when you can't even see their faces. So we will continue to be remote until it is safe to see people in the flesh. That said, we were lucky enough to have on Nicole Coogan and Jeremiah John Loof, as well as band members Ryan Manning, Eric Ortiz, and Aiton Ben-Joseph. These fine people also have a great clan of fans called the Two Crew, of which I am proud to be a member. Some of them even getting a Two Crew tattoo to support the band, which is what I hope Ronnie will do one of these days to support me by having my name tattooed on his chest. You should know the first rule of Two Crew is you do not talk about Two Crew, except you should talk about them all the time. I will let you decide what that means, but I like it. Anyways, they recorded their last album, Bad Karma, and have been releasing it a piece at a time, including some great videos you can see on their website, thedevilstwins.com. Last year, they had a fantastic show at GBH's Frasier Room that you can see at wgbh.org. They are such a great live band, and I've been encouraging them to get a graphic novel started with each of them as a superhero character. So here is our conversation with The Devil's Twins, recorded remotely in our respective abodes in Boston, Massachusetts. And I hope it's all right. I did invite all five band members. Cool. Uh, me. Cool. Yeah, thank you guys for having us, really. Yeah, this is going to be like the biggest one we've ever had is with uh, Walter Sickert. We had right. almost every one of them in the in the room. I didn't have enough mics. Everyone had to share. Who else so are we here. waiting for? So we'll be waiting for Eric Ortiz and Aton Ben Joseph. So the horn section. The horn section. All right, good. Yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk about those dudes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You want to talk about them right now before they get on? <laughs> <laughs> no Eric never shuts the up. <laughs> Trust me, guys. No, no one's better for comic relief and and, and shit talking than Eric Ortiz. Uh, so mm-hmm. Eric's the trumpet player. So if we try to talk shit about him, man, he's gonna hop on and talk shit anyway. So hear me a new one. <laughs> Just wait. He's the most entertaining one. <laughs> yeah, we were um, tearing our kitchen apart last night. We're like renovating in our kitchen, and we were listening to the podcast last night. <laughs> Oh, what were you listening to? Yeah, uh, last night I listened to it before, but last night I watched. I listened to Carissa Johnson's. That's cool. Yeah, she was there with Vanessa Sil- Silverman too. Yeah, yeah, they're so she's sweet. They're both awesome. Yeah, Carissa agree. just took our last batch of um, pictures that we took. Oh yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she's an oh, awesome really? photographer too. She's so good at everything. I'm like, how is one person so good at everything? Yeah, she's a one very talented machine there. Like Vanessa, Vanessa does the same way. She does the same yeah. thing. Just like you guys. You guys do the same thing. Aw. <laughs> Shucks. Aw. <laughs> so, so while we're waiting for the horn people, I do want to kind of brag a little bit, Ron. Sure. That sure. I, I'm a member of mm-hmm. a, I'm an elite member of a very select few. Yeah, I know that, but what what are you talking about? <laughs> it's uh, the two crew. I'm I'm, a, yeah. I'm now a member of the two crew and uh, oh nice congratulations thank you very much oh yeah <laughs> I know what hazing, that is let the hazing begin 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot of a lot of positive reinforcement. Is there, our was, <laughs> there was come some kind of strange nudity involved, but I oh got my through God. and we're good. Now, is this part of that one year courting process? Did it take, were you denied multiple times? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about those people. We did a live shoot of a band called Neighbor. You guys know Neighbor? They have an unbelievable grassroots bunch of fans. So this kind of reminds me of that, that a lot of people have like their, their groups that they have on Facebook and people follow them there. But you guys actually make a make a point of bringing them up. And it's actually, I, Two Crew was um, actually brought up in a couple different articles I read about you. When did that come to fruition? When did that start? Hold on, Chuck, uh, let Aton in. Is it Aton? Oh, oh, yeah, yep. oh, it's all right. Let him in. Oh, yeah. How many people can be on this total? To yeah. 10. I can't scroll. Oh, there he is. Oh, there it is. Hey. Oh, hey, Hello, hello. What's up, fellas? That was funny watching you guys try to scramble to let us in because I could see and hear everything you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank no you. Problem. Thanks for having us. I haven't been in a room with this many people in like a three or four months. It's crazy. Right? Let me take yeah, a picture. This is awesome. I know. It's a real party. So we're just talking <laughs> about the true the the two crew. Talk about the two crew. Yeah. So, so yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Should I raise my hand? Yes, raise your hand. Go ahead. You go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, they, we've had like a crazy, super loyal friend and fan base since we started and we've been really fortunate. They're, they'll show up to anything. We could say we're like going to buy some French fries and they're like, we're coming guys. So we're really fortunate. Yeah. To have them because they're like 90% of what this band is. I feel like, but how about, what were you going to say Jay before I cut you off so rudely? No, 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 it's all good. Um, well, well, I think it's, it, it, it's kind of hard to trace back Chuck the kind of the exact time point and, and origin of it, but it all started when, when we all started getting the two tattoos. Mm. On um, ah. So it's, it's, it's obviously the two in the, in the logo and the Devilsons logo. It's the N in twins is kind of a cleverly put to the, you know, sideways too. I think Casey, um, our merch girl, Casey Ellis was the first one to get the two tattooed on her, right, Nicole? I think Casey. so. Yeah. I think Casey was. She might have gotten it before me, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, before me. So then, then Nicole got one, then I got one, and Ryan got one, and then Nick got one, and then Nicole started tattooing other people. Um, so uh, it kind of became, I think, starting via the tattoos, the the two crew. Certainly, I think when we when we made the Facebook group, the two crew group, which you know it's a little probably outdated at this point. I think there are quite a bit more, but that banner image shows a, a handful of tattoos from everyone. I think that really gave it a home uh, and kind of a place to be that forum for everyone to kind of connect. And then uh, obviously like pre-pandemic, what was I think really fulfilling and cool was that it seemed like, it, you know, it's really not just a, a fan club of an underground band or something like that. Um, we would see people saying like, Hey, you know, the, the twins are, are playing in, in, in Maine or New York city or they're there. So like, who's going from this part of the world? Can I hop in really started to become a bit more of a, a community, which I think is, is even, even stronger than just some sort of a street team or, or something, if you will. And, and what, what's, I think really rewarding for us is that when you, when we want to do something, uh, like for example, have you know a bunch of people dance in a music video? Uh, it's really kind of easy to activate a group of people who mm -hmm. 
will kind of do some some cool things with us. So you just put out the do signal and the, the, or the, the <laughs> V2 signal in the sky, right? And they, and they come. Yeah. 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 From Wayne yeah, Manor, it's just a big bat signal, but it's a two. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. Medication to, to get a tattoo. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, it's a tattoo. Merch girl? Yeah. You didn't even have it first? Yeah. Your ritual had it first? I would love to tell that story very quickly about Casey. So Casey Ellis is my best friend and like the best friend of many people in this band, or at least like the biggest hype person of all of us. But I met her at, I work at a tattoo shop. I tattoo there and she had done the desk there and I met her and I think I had known her for like two weeks. And she's like, tell me about like your life. What do you do? Cause we like hit it off right away. And I'm like, oh, well like I'm in a band too. Like, and she's like, oh wow, that's so cool. I'm like, oh, we're going to go on tour. It's like, I've always wanted to go on tour with a band. Like, that'd be so cool. And I'm like, li little did she know, like, it would just be like us sleeping in Walmart parking lots and like stealing grapes as we walked by at Walmart. But she, uh, she was like, yeah, I want to go. So I'm like, Jay, can we like ask if she would come? He's like, yeah, sure. So I hit her up. I'm like, yo, do you want to come? She's like, yes. So she, we just both dropped our jobs at the time and just went. And she's the best. Wow. And she got it tattooed. So luckily to be in the two crew, you don't really have to get the tattoo. We're not going to like force pain upon people to be part of a club, but I think a lot of people have, which is cool. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck's Chuck's ready for his third tattoo. So it I, could got, be. I got this tattoo. How do I do this? <laughs> Show it in the screen. Cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. That one, that's my first one. And then I got this one and I want to get another one. I want to get, actually my daughter is saying she wants to get one now too. Oh, nice. So, and I'd like just take your time to yeah. make sure you really want it. Make sure that's you know there's no rush. Yeah. Maybe yeah. she could join two crew and then you're all set. Yeah. Wait, yeah. can you show me what does the tattoo look like? Yeah. So mine, mine's here. It's the two. It's the the the, the glyph two and don't remember the Futura, the Futura typeface. Oh, I found it. The bold. Where's yours, Nikki? Yeah. Mine's, I forgot what leg it was on. Ryan, where's yours? Mine's in a very private area. <laughs> very proud ryan has the most gotta, legit one I in the gotta, band though because he has lyrics too. but this is a silly question but is two for twins yeah okay when i was saying before um it, the, getting you guys on here was a long process and i think the first time i asked you was when i saw you at the verb hotel for one of the events there i don't know if it was ali mcgurk playing or it, it might have been and I ran. Oh, and was, it might have been the pool party. At the uh, pool. Yeah. Said, Remember that? It was like 27 we, years we ago. Played, yeah, right. Approximately 27 years ago. Was it the time we played on the roof once? Was right. it that or was it a pre-party? Did they have multiple musicians playing that night? Yeah. I don't remember. There were, I, we I, didn't I, play we, with Allie that night. It was us and I forget who else was on that Matt Rose. night. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Contact. Contact? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had Matt on. So before we really get into it, let me let, let's talk about just quickly um, Ryan, Eric, and Aitan. Um, who are you guys? <laughs> glad, I'm glad you guys were able to make I it. Think, I am. I'm, we I think had, it's like, Aitan. A while. I think um, it's Aitan. I was getting there. It's okay. <laughs> Aitan. It's what did I say? Aitan. Honestly, not bad compared to a lot of the other things I've heard. For no. Um, why don't we start with Aitan? Aitan, sure, what's your yeah. Thing? I, my, I'm Aton. I play the saxophone. I can't even remember what year I joined at this point. Is it tenor or alto or both? Uh, the tenor, for the most part, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And Eric, that's a rocking mustache, man. I like it. Thank you. Appreciate it. I've had it going on three months now. 
in uh, some shape or form. Yeah. So I, I usually do like a, ho- a Halloween costume that I can use it for. So that's I usually grow it for that and then I keep it for the rest of the, the winter. I like the way it does the, the loop down there. That's good. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it it's cool. It, it, a food gets stuck in it a lot. So that's good. <laughs> Literally, like sometimes afterwards, I'm like, oh, midnight snack. And you just pick it in. <laughs> right. You, what do you do in the band? Just besides I, the mustache. I play I play trumpet. And talks play, a lot. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, I'm the trumpet player slash. Um, I like to humble everyone by talking to and tell them how uh, not good people they are. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. I, I'm usually like in between like songs and rehearsal. I'm like spinning yarn about some random thing that's happened to me. So that's that's my role in the band. Do you talk a lot because when you're playing, you don't you're not able to talk? No, 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 no. I, I talk a lot because everybody else in the band talks a lot. And then huh. it reminds me of this one time, you know, and then leads, <laughs> one thing leads to another. And then it's right. a 20 minute story. Band camp. Like that. Yeah. 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 At one time at band camp. Nice. <laughs> I knew someone was going to say that. Ryan, what's your story? What's your story, man? Yeah. I'm story, a, man. <laughs> what's the story? No, I'm Ryan. I play the drums. I've uh, been been with the band since 2012, so OG status, basically. Hang out. In your beard too. Uh, no, I'm pretty good about this. Uh, your beard's much... pretty solid. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, I it, it, it kind of just it just it was kind of a lazy man's game. I just I just kind of stopped shaving, and uh, <laughs> you know, I kind of go. I just kind of go with it. So. This is a very hairy. Um... Very hairy band. Yeah. I, a lot of hair here. I yeah. just shaved today, and I feel Nicole like we have, we have, we're bonding on that. I know. I really just feel a kinship to you right now with yeah. our, our clean faces. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Sam. We're just both very. Uh, wow, so smooth. You got yeah. You got some stuff going on down there. That's yeah, I do. Yeah. Do you like Wiley. the leaf <laughs> His mom did it for him. <laughs> Look at that. You guys see Whoa. that? Oh, wow. wow. My boy, Ronnie H. <laughs> I wish we could just like fly in a picture right now, Eric, of, of you when you were like full bald. Okay. Like surprise. Oh, that was, yeah. Uh, that, was, <laughs> that was a fun day. Yeah. I've been thinking about bringing it back, though, to be honest. It's not as dramatic now because, like, oh, you, know, you were bald. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It makes the beanies fit better in the wintertime mm. for sure. Bold by surprise, which is the, fun, the funnest way. Look at Chuck's head. Uh, when I when I shave my head and I shave my beard, I'm like a big grape. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect grape. That's why yeah. I grow a beard. I don't want to. I don't want to look like a grape. I I know exactly what you mean. I feel like I'm a, big, told- <laughs> I'm a big pizza pie. I I I gotta have something going on. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, this is a serious podcast. Damn it. Turned into the hair cast. Um, Ron, do you have any questions yet before I continue? I have eight. eight? You go ahead. Well, I I wanted to I wanted to I mean I don't know there's a bunch of places we can start and there's no rules here so we can talk about whatever we want. But I want to talk about there's something really? that seems to be like a seems to be a thing that ha- that's been happening forever and that is students going to art college and starting a band. That seems to be a thing. I'm guessing that artists go to art school so they can start a band. That's what that's what I'm guessing happens. Make art, man. Yeah. I mean, they had a free studio to use. So right. <laughs> Probably cheaper than paying for a studio rates, right? Going to college. But that's where yeah. you guys that's where you guys met, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. um so so we both went to Mass Art and um I was I was a design major. 
uh, Nicole was an illustration major. Um, and then you could, um, if it would fit in your schedule, you're allowed to take uh, a course or two uh, crossing over to other majors, right? So there was a major at MassArt called SIM, S-I-M, Studio of Interrelated Media. And that major is more or less a self-guided. It's the most self-guided major within the school. So it's essentially medium agnostic. And what you get there more or less is a support system of critique, right? So for multimedia, really whatever anyone wanted to make it, that's what that was about. And as a part of that, they had um, an audio production class that came along with a recording studio. MassArt was my second college, my first college. Uh, I went to Bay State College for audio production. Uh, I went there for two years, got my associates, and then continued on at MassArt. So it really was kind of a continuation. You know, it was just a place where I could go and record. Um, and it was, it was then when I started tracking uh, at that studio to where I um, asked Nicole to come down and to start recording on some of the songs. And it was within a, a studio as to when we started The Devil's Thrones. You were illustration major as well? Uh, Nicole, um, I was yeah. Jay was in graphic design, yeah. and I was in uh, illustration. Yeah, so I was doing a lot of like watercolor stuff and um, like mixed media things, which ended up lending a lot to my career. Now I do tattooing. Was music always part of your you guys' existence? Wait, like before you went to Mass College of Art? For me, I feel like I um, I was always super into art, like my whole life. And my family, growing up, we had a lot of music in our house all the time. Um, not necessarily like musicians, but music in general. So I started teaching myself guitar, which never really got that good. I'm very like low on the totem pole guitar wise, but I started playing and like learning how to write songs. And I was just playing out at a like open, more open mic night type things in uh, all Asia. I don't know if anybody ever went there, but yeah. it was like a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> No, I had like a standing residency at All Asia when I was like in college. And so I was just playing like small stuff and playing on my own. Yeah. And then I went and played with uh, Jay in the studio right. for the first time. So yeah, music was always a thing for me, but I was just doing it on my own. It's moved on a lot since then, thankfully. But when did you start tattooing? I started tattooing when I was a senior in college. When I was 18, I went into the studio where I got my first tattoo. I was getting tattooed by the owner there and I was like, Hey, uh, can I apprentice? And he's like, Oh, well, what are you doing right now? And I'm like, Oh, well, I'm going to, I just applied to art school. He's like, Oh, we'll come back when you're graduating or whatever. And then I'll, I'll hook you up. So I was like, okay. So then I showed up like three years later and I think he forgot. And so I was like, Hey, you told me, you promised <laughs> back. that um, in three years or something that maybe I could apprentice here. And he's like, Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Can you come next week? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then, so I started and I had been there for, since I was 20 years old or 21, and I'm 30, so about 10 years now. I've always been so impressed how people show their creativity, not just a tattooist, but also the people that get tattoos because it is an art form. And uh, it's interesting that you and Jeremiah, or both you guys, before you started branching out with Ryan, Aton, and Eric, that you connected in the arts, you sort of created, you started with a visual, an eye as well. Does that connect to your projects as far as uh, how you guys sort of demonstrate yourself as a brand? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, to be perfectly frank, I mean, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. I think there is a natural correlation between, you could say, visuals and music or art and music, but really they're just other mediums. And I, I kind of, in, in, in so many ways, think of them in, in a very similar 
there, there, at least for me, it's a very similar part of, uh, of my mind is, is the process. So, um, for, for example, when I'm gonna, you know, bust out a quick sketch and, uh, translate that to the screen and, and start, um, designing that in vector, whether it's, it's for web or for a poster or for a, a corporate identity or something like that, quite literally the, the, the practice and the process of moving things on a screen digitally to fit in places, there's an exact correlation, I think, that transfers over to the skill of moving audio and editing audio. I think it's all the same for moving that over to video, right, and editing video, right? So when you think about the placement of a microphone um, when you're recording audio, very similar principles to the placement of a light when you're filming or mm. when you're taking a photo of something, right? So I think there are always correlations there to when the fundamental aspect that the thread that runs through all of them really is storytelling, right? So yeah, when it's true. It's a painting, an illustration, uh, uh, a, a visual identity, a, a poster, a, a movie, a, a picture, or, or in our case, music. I, I think that storytelling is that, that thread that pulls its way through. So I think, you know, whether it's, you're using paint or chalk, two different mediums, right? So really kind of uh, try to dip your toes in, into other things. And I think that's how it happened. But I did initially, admittingly, uh, only go to art school to learn design to make my band look cool. <laughs> that, that is you know, no, no bullshit. That's why I went. Um, I said, you know what? I want, I want two things. And he did um, the most important thing he could have done. He found Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I, I started playing my uh, little rock and roll bands in my mind when I was six years old. And I had a guitar in the house and uh, would, would pick fights with it and, and put on little rock shows uh, for myself in my bedroom. And when I was young, I thought that quite literally it was really a misconception that led me to do what I do now is that I, I had an understanding that if you wanted to be a musician then you also had to do the album covers. So I thought that Robert Plant designed the album covers. I thought that Billy Joe Armstrong made the album covers. I thought it was a duty of being a musician. So it was just the only way I could kind of figure it out in my you know, six, seven-year-old mind. So what I would do is I stole from my elementary school a little cassette player and recorder that you would listen to audiobooks on. Um, and I took it from the school and shoved it in my backpack because I noticed this miraculous little button that said record on it. <laughs> I said, wow, I can do a lot with that. So I brought it home and hit record play on the cassette and would sit there and try to make albums. And then I would design the little cassette covers for them. And then I would feel this sense of accomplishment. So uh, obviously at some point in time, I uh, I learned uh, the reality that, that that's not the case, that, you know, you don't uh, be a musician and, and the, the designer uh, were to make the album artwork. Um, but I suppose the irony is that now I am. So it kind of ended up, you know, working out to where, to where we do both. And, I love uh, the fact that you do that. I think that's amazing. The art that goes along with, and I, Ron, I swear to God, I won't talk about vinyl today. The art that goes along with the artifact that you put out, whether it be album covers, whether it be t-shirts, you know, is, I think it's hugely important to maybe not every band, but to specific bands. And I think specifically to your band, just like it does for like Walter Sickert's band. They're, they're very important. He does, they do the same thing. They're on this, they do the same thing you guys do, you know? And it also, I think the thread of that, of that art, I can see it because I can, I could see what are those, um, 
what are those com those like real serious comics? You know what I mean? The, um, what do you call them? Novels? Graphic novels. I could see Devil's Twins as like a superhero graphic novel. I could, be because, so tight. Oh, that'd be awesome. I could yeah, totally see that. that. And I can see that in like your videos that you've done. And you know, when you're talking when you're talking about how the art is part of this of the string, I wonder if that also goes into how you were called uh, noir punk. Is that the same kind of thread there with noir? Like with that? Like how, can you define that? Yeah, I think so. It was Michael Morata who first coined that for us. He was the first one to say noir punk. And more or less, we just said, yeah, you know, that that feels right. There's something that feels really right uh, about that for us. And I think it was on Old Fashioned Mischief, which was our first record with Ryan, right? So there was kind of the art school record, which now you, you can't find anywhere. We don't, we don't have or sell or anything like that, called Handsome Devils. And then that second album called Old Fashioned Mischief was our first one with Ryan and kind of felt like that, that was our first time being a band, really, not a studio project, but now a band. Right. You play shows and we have Ryan. So Ryan really kind of, you know, I think made us feel like, okay, we, we, we have a band now and old fashioned mischief with the first one. So I think he called it that. And then, then we had that in our minds going into the third one consequences. So I think it resonated with me at the very least just because we had always kept with that black and white aesthetic for the most part. And th there was something about how at least what we try to accomplish, I think, sonically, there's something that that looks like too, right? So to me, reverb looks like smoke. Yeah. And if I hear Sinatra singing, you're always going to hear it soaked in reverb and, and probably does just come from Sinatra and Humphrey Bogart movies. Uh, uh, which are black and white. Which are black and white, right? So I, I think there's that aesthetic. And then when we, really when we started the bands, it was um, kind of black, white, black keys, and those sort of modern artists, and then certainly for both Nicole and I, but more so Nicole, um, was on the Amy Winehouse side of things. You know, so uh, all of that sort of aesthetic quality, I think, matches the sonic quality as well. And I think with calling it noir, so whether it's noir punk or or American noir, it's it's kind of fun to be able to you know, hold on to our own our own little subgenre. It's funny because punk to me or noir punk, like the dark side, I, I like the way it's uh, portrayed. But the, one of the last things I think of when I think of that are horns. <laughs> and but that's a I think that's kind of cool, though, because I want to hear more about how the how the uh, how that works with you guys. How does that process work? Do you does Jeremiah and Nicole give you the songs and you adapt parts or is it more of a on the spot collaboration? How does it work? We always do everything, um, you know, we do a lot of uh, writing together in the studio. You know, the way I, I approach it, you know, before rock and roll guitars, it was always the horn section that had like, you know, the ripping leads. So that I kind of, you know, use that approach when it comes to, um, you know, writing my parts. Uh, Jay stands across from me in the rehearsal space. So if Jay's on the other side of the room wailing super loud, I'm like, all right, well, let's, uh, you know, have a little uh, tit for tat. And then I'll, yeah. I'll think of yeah. something like that. And then, yeah. you know, I find where in the, the music it fits in and then, couple weeks later we'll we'll have something that sounds somewhat like a song i mean i think from a, a process perspective cool. there have been two pretty distinct phases there was right when we joined there was already material that we were kind of learning they had already it was already written they'd been performing it we kind of joined and, and added parts to what already existed versus kind of the phase two which was more of the last year year and a half where we were actually all writing material together mm. where still kind of in the rehearsal space you know it's just you jam it out and different things until something sounds right and that becomes what sticks but it's different 
I'd say those two different styles, yeah. adding it on versus creating it together, which has been awesome. Whose idea uh, was it to bring horns into it? Um, I think it was Jay. Yeah, you. Well, Jay had had this idea for. Um, you want to talk about um, no, WGBH? Um, so we got asked to do a performance for WGBH that was going to be filmed and then posted. The so we were, yeah, yep, yeah, the Frasier. It was awesome. That room is beautiful and the sound was great and everybody who was there was wonderful. But um, we wanted to try to do something like a little different because it felt like a different kind of show. It's not like the floor is sticky there and like it's loud and gross. So we're like, okay, let's do something a little more formal, like an evening with the Devil's Twins type of situation where we have the big live show that gets everybody dancing and stuff like that, like we usually do, but mm. have it be a little something special. So I had worked on Old School Game Show, which is like this awesome live game show production in Boston with Eric before. Yep. And um, he was friends with Aton and I'd, we'd played a show before too, but they were both so talented and we were trying to put that night together and we're like, they're awesome. We have to have them on it. And we had had Josh Knowles, who's an incredible oh, violin player. It's amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's awesome. And we had been friends with him from playing shows with Nemus. So we were like, you got to get on this too. So that night kind of kicked off what is now happening, which is this like parade of sound which is what I, I feel like it is, you know, it's like before I felt like we had this big, massive sound that just like got under your skin, but now it's so much, uh, just a whole different animal, uh, but still very much us as well. But yeah, that's where they joined us. Hmm. They still have- serve as uh, backup dancers too. Yeah, I finally have someone to dance with at long last. I mean, Jay doesn't really dance hmm. with me that often and Brian can't, so. <laughs> Only while he's on the drums. Yeah. When he's not commenting on your dancing skills, she's commenting yeah. on you can't. I can I can move. I just I just can't be on my feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're dancing yeah, yeah. in a whole different way, right? Yeah, you're very yeah. active. I do I mean, not need to I, take I'm away ex- from that at all. I'm no, the drumming. I'm expressing myself. Drumming is like dancing. Come on. You yeah. Know, like, he moves to the point of vomiting, so yeah. I, I think yeah. he uh he works pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. Nicole once cleaned up my vomit after a performance. Oh. I did, yeah. yeah that was Don't ever confidence. say I never did anything for you, kid. I you never know? do. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. That's a mark of a true band. Yeah. That's some serious the next band was coming on. I was like, I don't want this drummer to sit and puke. So I'm like, yeah. I had already <laughs> I had, left. Like, I, I was already like, breaking down my drum set. I didn't care. So right. this goes so yeah. hard. It's such a testament <laughs> to like Ryan's playing in general that he gives it so much of himself <laughs> that he has to expel something from his body to make room. <laughs> <laughs> I think though with a horn, there's a yeah pivot. Sorry, uh, <laughs> enough about vomit. The horns, but no, uh, I, I think there's something to be said too about why it continues to work. I think why, why it works beyond that night, and really what it's like when we're in the rehearsal space or in the studio writing. And, it, and it's really this, like, despite the fact that our band has gone from two people to three to five still does not feel like five different people. It feels really, really natural to write. And I think why that is, is because we kind of have our little pods is what it feels like. A band like us, well, we don't have a bass player. And to where I get to generate the sound of the guitar and the bass simultaneously within my rig, that has always allowed Ryan and I from a song structure and really from a a producing standpoint, because we've Ryan and I both producers, to craft things really, really efficiently 
And the chemistry that Ryan and I have, have built really over the past almost decade has allowed us to kind of build that, those song structures really efficiently and to really anticipate each other and what we're thinking when it comes to parts. I think the same is true for Nicole and I, lyrically and melodically uh, writing the songs, right? So what's phenomenal is that when my brain may be in the song structure and tend to be a little more driven towards the chorus, Nicole is there to pick up with her notebook, thinking melodically and thinking about how her voice is going to work together in that chorus, but also writing really the storylines of the songs, which I think is really that part. And because when you play a guitar and it has the job of the guitar bass, I tend to stay low, very, you know, on the rhythm side of things, that leaves perfect space for melodic instruments to always be present. So previous to having a horn section, I would write uh, melodies that would end up being keyboards or additional guitar layers on top of that. When Eric and Aton first joined, that's essentially was their starting place was like, well, now live, we can hear these melodies on that top layer. Now, when we're writing, those top layers are being written by Eric and Aton. Their chemistry, you know, is Amazing. just as strong yeah. as, you know, as, as the one that we have built. So ideas, uh, I feel like, tend to come together nice and, and efficiently for us. Yeah. Everyone kind of has their space uh, within the, the songwriting structure that, that is known. Um, you know? Yeah. So it's never I like how you talk about it as layers. Uh, you do think of that that foundation and that structure of rhythm and bass and drums, and then vocals and horns are sort of the same kind of timbre, and they it is like an ocean. You know, you got like the surface, and then you got like the the foundation. Right. I can see that. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I'm getting visual, man. It's like I can't help it. Right. Talking with you. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I know. I got one question that before I forget about one of your tunes. I'm looking at Ryan. Um, I don't know if you know, I'm looking at you right now, man. Oh, all right. But, um, uh, you look really comfortable, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm very comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering about this tune. It, it's got it's got the word rotten in it. What is that song? Oh, rotten by, Self. Yeah, By My Rotten Self. By My Rotten Self. There's yeah. a rhythm. You kind of mess with my mind a little bit because it's a 4-4 four, four tune. Yeah, yeah. I know, ex- then, I know exactly what you're talking about. And all of a yeah. sudden, you're in swing, 4-4, four, four, right? Oof. You're just straight up, and then you're da da da, and it to me that's one of the signatures of that song. What you, what you just pointed out, and it, it, it's it's crazy because like me and Jay and Nicole when we were when we were putting together consequences, that was sort of like one of those tracks that kind of came later on. Yeah. and yeah, I mean that, that that's kind of one that's sort of kind of in the noir punk style where we can pull the swing in and out whenever we feel like it so you know like, yeah and that's what that's what ended up happening we were jamming. i was like what is happening here like yeah it was, and well, it was a good it was a good confusion yeah he can't i mean jay came in with the he came in with the main riff and then you know then all of a sudden we went into the sort of the verse idea and then it was just it, it, it sort of just swung itself yeah and and that's something we kind of do when we're jamming you know because we have a lot of influences all over the place anyways but that's we like to do that i'm, I'm very happy you pointed that out because because that actually i really do like that tune we we jammed it we got to jam it uh recently before yeah you know we didn't we weren't able to jam well, in person anymore but yeah, that, yeah that's always a fun one because well thank yeah, you it, i it wanted to go right yeah. to the horse's mouth on that one because yeah. yeah that's awesome because that's like that's like geek stuff <laughs> that's awesome yeah. so nicole i want to talk about your voice because the one thing i noticed when i was when i was looking at the gbh videos 
is how you can go from like rock voice to very sweet sounding Amy Winehouse kind of sound to like a little Madeline Perot in there. A lot of levels in there. I mean, I suppose eventually it becomes habit from singing the song over and over again. But when you are doing that, which I love, I love how you change it up that way. When you're doing that, when you're changing it up into those different kinds of ways of singing, I don't that's, that's a very terrible way of saying it, but <laughs> you're saying them different, differently. Is that a conscious decision? Is a change on, on your mood? I just like how you mix it up in there. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like for me, um, when I'm performing, it's very just based at like in the songs, a lot of the ways that I write my lyrics and things like that are, um, it's very like cinematic, and I can picture it in my head. So when I'm singing those parts, I get very like into like the feeling that would be conveyed like from that part. So if like the character in that part of the story in my mind is like angry, or it's like, I want to really express it, my voice just goes there. I would in no way say that I'm trained in any way for like, singing i probably sing in the worst way for my voice but yeah it, i it's not really a conscious thing i guess it's just what what comes out of me so i feel like in a lot of like the the things that have been coming out lately in newspapers and stuff they're like it sounds like an exorcism and i'm like that's the best compliment i've ever gotten that's wonderful <laughs> because that's what it feels like i feel like when i'm on stage it's i'm finally comfortable and that's where i'm supposed to be so like the stories that we're telling i think the, the character is what's kind of coming out in those parts it just happens to me. I would not <laughs> use that word in exorcism for the way you said. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but but I do I do like it because it just adds character to it, and it actually adds to the whole noir part of of it. The dark, you get the dark, grungy sound of your voice, and then the you know the sweet sounding of your voice. So I, I like it. The uh, oh, I want to talk about um, the video. I love the video. I'm, I'm always I'm always glad when a Boston band does a video. But the, what's special about this video is that I know some of the people in it. I love the fact oh, that okay. was it. So Chris Carissa Johnson was in it. Uh, Wait, which, what video? The video for um, Bad Karma. Oh, the new song. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, it just got released. What a couple of weeks ago. Last yeah, week. Yeah. The video. Yeah, last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Julie Rhodes. Julie Rhodes is in it. And mm -hmm. Nick Durant, Nick Durant, and then a bunch of other people who don't know how to dance. No, no, no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Just like no, us. <laughs> but I love how you pulling in all the other musicians in Boston, and I wish more people would like have other bands be part of their videos. I think it's cool, and and it and it's really kind of just an example of how other bands are incessantly working with each other. How's that? Yeah. Is that you, yeah. Ron? Oh, there we go. The, the original video. Oh, oh, that's that. That looks like the um, the thing set up when you guys did together at home. Yeah. Yeah, we did those six cool feet thing. apart sessions. Yeah. Oh, that's not that the one you're talking about, obviously. So. No, that was that was in chapter two of COVID. Um, this was this was a little <laughs> bit later. I think that was like the first time that we premiered that, though, right? <laughs> it's great. I love it. I love seeing Julie dance. I love seeing Chris. It's just I like it. It's joyful. I mean, we need we need that. Does bad karma have uh, anything to do with this state of what's going on in the world now? Does it have anything to do with 2020? Is that why you wrote it? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, sure. I think it could. I mean, it's all kind of in the 
in the ear of the listener, I guess, and in the mind of the listener, we had written this pre-COVID and released it now, but um, it it could it does seem very, I know, appropriate for a lot of the things going on right now. But Even if the track wasn't originally written in light of the things that transpired this year, obviously the way we had to film the, the video will forever, you know, change what the song meant to us at least where, you know, we had oh. to do all the COVID protocols to make sure we could film it safely. And then that's you know, obviously people are very limited in shots with each other and things like that. I don't know if it's necessarily a comment, a social commentary per se. Well, I think that, that that's, that's probably the even more stranger or interesting aspect of it is that, you know, the, the, the short answer is, uh, you know, as Nikki said, kind of like all music, take, take it for what you will, right? But wh whether or not it's directly about anything from this year, um, there have been a lot of strange coincidences about that, right? And not to get too political, but the day we announced that the single would be coming out was the day that Trump got COVID. That was the mm -hmm. first strange coincidence. And then, um, you know, we started to go through it and we came up with the concept for the video and, and you know, effectively like the, uh, essentially the, the idea from the video came from me uh, on that one night when I feel like I broke the mix, I found it called Ryan really excited and I was alone in my studio and I was jumping up and down and I, you know, giddy smile on my face because was I, you know, I thought it was, it was really awesome. And then I feel like, you know, more, more strange coincidences have, have happened. So for example, even uh, as early as this, this week on Thursday, Grey Bouchard and the Dedications, they released their cover song, their cover version of our song, Bad Karma. Really? Uh, and it's really, really cool because Gray took it and reinvented it entirely. And it is just awesome to kind of see those two parallels and, and, and really kind of a, as a fan of rock and roll music, as a fan of, of, of music in general, uh, I'd always wanted to see, you know, what, what would the same song sound like if two bands kind of co-wrote it or something like that. Now, of course, that's not what we did, but we did ask Gray, like, hey, man, if you we're trying to make as much content as possible. Do you want to, do you want to cover the song? And I was picturing when I asked him, just like, you know, get in front of a webcam and play the song on acoustic and that'd be great. And he just went off into his own world and tracked it full studio version, made a music video. So that came out on Thursday hmm. as we were watching Gray's music video premiere. I got a text from my wife and she texted the Devil's Twins group because we have a huge group chat, which is all five of us and all five of the significant others. And then, and then Casey the Merch Girl. And, and uh, so it's a huge chat room. And sure as shit, we're watching Gray cover our new single. And then it shows up that new single, Miley Cyrus, Bad Karma. Weird. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> So, and, and we were like, oh, thank God ours came out a couple of weeks ago, right? Because, and obviously it's fortunate for us because that just means that millions of people are going to be going to Spotify and YouTube and searching bad karma. We'll take right. it. We'll that's, that's, that's called good karma. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> so there have been a lot of really interesting coincidences, I guess you want to call it that. What's even cooler about, I mean, the Miley Cyrus song, Bad Karma, is that it's a duet with Joan Jett. Yeah, so cool. Uh, let's talk about like what there's been a lot of musicians that we've talked to um, ever since COVID hit that were about to go on tour, that were about that just released an album, that you know had big plans to promote whatever they were just about to come out with. And for one reason or another, 
I mean, for really good reasons, they decided not to. Some people are waiting to do stuff. Some people are, you're separated, you can't get together and it's just the way of the world right now. But, but certain people are kind of like pushing forward, still putting stuff out. And I did read that you were concerned a little bit about maybe putting something out now. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't, I, I don't think you should be concerned about that. As a matter of fact, if there's anything we need right now, it's what you guys are doing. Talk about that. Like what, when COVID hit and you had this, all this stuff about to, about to be released, what was the discussion? Was it really a concern of yours or? Certainly a couple months ago. And, and maybe it was, you know, as we're kind of calling phase two of the pandemic, the conversation that we had had was we had went off to our cabin and recorded what is now essentially an album, but we are going to release it as a series of singles. Um, so come end of January or beginning of February is going to be the next single. And we're going to do that probably for the next year and a half. And then at the end of it, there'll be a collection. But really, I feel like, you know, during the phase two of the pandemic, it wasn't just the pandemic. Uh, It was the pandemic. um, And there was everything going on with uh, obviously the the administration in the White House. And then there was everything going on with police brutality. And, you know, there there was certainly uh, a conversation that we had had to say that we, we have absolutely no right um, while um, people are dying from uh, a virus that we know nothing about and people are uh, dying in the streets from police brutality uh, to inject, you know, this rock and roll music, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, not necessarily our conversation to be had. And so didn't want to clog up news feeds when there's important Black Lives Matter information happening, right? So there was certainly that point there. And we did feel like we waited. There was kind of, it felt like there was a wrong time um, to, to busy up, streams and there were more important things going on you know it felt like that's a, that's a very fair point jeremiah that totally cheers. I get it. cheers cheers man yeah thanks so yeah I, I wouldn't quite say it was fear as much as it was you know kind of knowing right from wrong and, and, mm. and i guess the ethics and values of, of us as a band and i think what we find important yeah i feel like as like as we started as we were recording and deciding to put this music out i had the internal conversation with myself it's like okay so in a time where i feel the most isolated and i know so many of us feel so isolated like the one thing that can kind of get you through those dark moments is this feeling like you're related to by somebody else and music has always done that for me and i'm sure for all of us so in a dark time you can listen to a song that can totally change your whole mindset and change your life in some cases so for us and the two crew and uh yeah, us as a band, it's like being able to release that music felt like such a release, like internally for me and for all of us. So being able to relate to each other and feel not so alone was a huge thing. And I'll admit when we were gearing up and like I said, we we had the music video done and the premiere date was somewhat in flux. Uh, We we did hire Mike Murata, um, who started Publicist this year to kind of help us make some of these decisions. And he was an awesome, Mm. awesome member to, to have in the mix uh, with us. I remember saying to Michael, a week from now, it'll be past election day. We are either going to feel like putting out a music video of people dancing is going to feel right or really wrong. And, you know, uh, fortunately enough, it was got over the election. Uh, it did feel like maybe not reason to celebrate, but at least a relief for us personally. And then, you know, a couple of weeks back, if you remember, it was 65 and sunny the entire week here in Boston. All of those things aligning to be like, oh, we can release this video now. It does it does feel right. And and I think it, the, the reception kind of felt that way. It felt like we can pay attention and some fun rock and roll song. It felt right, yeah. I feel like and if there's any time for rock and roll, it's right now. 
I wanted to know though, if we wanted like Chuck and I, if you could tell us straight to our face, we're friends here now, I hope. If we did like a bad karma, like just the two of us dancing with a white background and like posted it, would you be offended or would you like that? Or no? That would be the best. You yeah. have to now. If you don't do it, I'm going to be so disappointed. I'm kind of thinking a review of the song. Yeah, That'll be I'm, a review of the song, just dancing. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking you should get a lot of people just to start doing that. And they, they send it to you and then they just post their own bad karma videos. Um, if you did that, we would absolutely adore it. And hopefully you can start that trend. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start it. I'll do it by myself. Chuck won't do it with me. Well, Nicole, I do need my next tattoo, so maybe you can do my tattoo. I would be honored. I would love that. Thank you guys very much. Well, I'm just so, so happy that we still got to do this with you guys because I've been yeah. waiting so long. I feel like it's been in the back of my mind for so long doing the Above the Basement, so this right. is such a pleasure. We loved having the entire band join us. They are great people, and I'm looking forward to getting my next tattoo done by Nicole. Maybe I'll have Ron's name needled into my arm. For more about The Devil's Twins, go to thedevilstwins.com. Go to AboveTheBasement.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thank you for listening. Tell your friends, wear a mask, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique.